We do not expect much to come from Matt Castle. He is not a dynamic player. He has skins on the wall. He has Pro Bowl seasons. He has 11 win seasons. He is not that guy anymore. But what the Cowboys need him to be is a functional bus driver that can navigate the field in a way that Brandon Whedon couldn't. We've all seen the stills, Brandon Whedon having multiple guys open, refusing to throw it. We saw against New England on the first throw, on the final throw, insane inaccuracy while trying to target the receivers on the outside. And the Cowboys simply knew they could not get it done with this guy, a quarterback. So if Castle has absorbed the offense enough, which is always going to be a big question mark, he's only been with the team for a month. But if he's absorbed the offense enough that he can complete these passes, threaten the top of the defense with accuracy, then the Cowboys might be able to survive even if Des Bryant doesn't play this week. And we'll talk to Fish in a little bit about the possibilities of whether or not we can see Des Bryant this weekend or whether we'll have to wait. The Cowboys' offensive line has been injured for the majority of the season. They were injured through the preseason. Zach Martin came back. He had a neck stinger. We don't think he was all the way right. Doug Free had his foot injury. We don't think he was all the way right. Ron Leary came in with a back injury, then injured his groin and set out a game. We know he wasn't right. Leary has now been replaced in the starting lineup by stud rookie offensive lineman Lyle Collins. He has yet to give up a quarterback sack hit or pressure. I think it's even 50-plus pass attempts or pass blocking plays. There is much hope that he can continue that because the Giants don't really present that formidable of a pass rush. This ain't the 2011 Giants when you're worried about them coming with a NASCAR package and rotating players in and out and all that kind of stuff. That's on the Dallas defense now. The New York Giants pass rush is missing in action, and Coach Tom Coughlin even most recently called out DeMontre Moore for single-handedly changing the momentum of the game on Monday night against the Eagles when they were getting ready to get off the field, and he decides that he's going to body slam Sam Bradford, gets an unnecessary roughness call, gives the Eagles new life, and they continue on the drive, score a touchdown, and then it was over from there. The Giants have no pass rush. So if the Cowboys, who lead the league, by the way, in pass blocking efficiency, quiet is kept through all of their struggles, they're not letting guys get to the quarterback, except for the play where Philadelphia broke Tony's clavicle. We're not going to talk about that. But all in all, the Cowboys offensive line is doing a great job in pass protection and struggling a little bit in the run game, which is basically the complete opposite of who they were last year. Everybody started calling them the best offensive line in the league. I was sitting here saying, hey, they're doing great run game-wise. But their pass block has a lot of work to do. This year is the complete opposite. So hopefully the bye week allowed them to get a little bit healthier, and they'll settle in and be the line that we all know they could be, should be. That's the hope for the Cowboys offense. All the other changes are all window dressing because if the Cowboys offensive line can become a dominant group in both pass protection and run blocking, this team can survive even though teams are loading the box with no Des Bryant to threaten the top of the defense 
they can still do things because the Cowboys offensive line, if they get James Hanna back, if Jason Witten is healthy, they can block eight men in the box, occasionally block nine men in the box. If the offense is creative, we've talked about that on and on. Stop bringing everybody into the formation, spit out, and then try to run. Please, Scott Lenahan, Jason Garrett, especially on short yardage plays. Christian Michael appears to be getting ready to take on a much bigger role in the offense. Can't wait to see how that shakes out. Hopefully they're not stupid and they take away all of Joseph Randall's carries. I would imagine that this would be a much bigger detriment to Darren McFadden's role with the Cowboys. Maybe they'll activate Rod Smith. We'll talk to Fish to see if he knows anything about that. But all in all, the Cowboys offense is basically just trying to tread water as they turn the keys of the kingdom over to the defense. Cowboys Nation cannot wait to see what happens with Greg Hardy in his second game. Rolanda McClain in his second game. Randy Gregory in his second game. The possibilities are endless for this Cowboys defense. And I cannot wait to see how they do against a New York Giants offense that struggles in pass pro. But everything they do under new offensive coordinator Ben McAdoo is try to get the ball out quickly. For all the warts that Eli Manning has in his game, and they are aplenty, Manning doesn't really take hits. That's the reason why he has the longest consecutive start streak in the National Football League for quarterbacks. He doesn't take hits. Sometimes he does. The Panthers got him a couple years ago. Greg Hardy was on that team. You smell what I'm cooking? Greg Hardy is the type of entity on defense that changes everything. Teams that don't give up sacks get sacked by Greg Hardy. We just saw it. New England doesn't give up sacks. Cowboys got him five times, got Tom Brady five times in the first half. Never happens. When Greg Hardy's on the field, it does. And now you're talking about on second and second and third downs, adding in Randy Gregory, pushing Hardy inside next to Tyrone Crawford. Are you serious right now? The possibilities for this Cowboys defense are endless, and they have to take the reins for the Cowboys. This has to be a defense-led team until Tony Romo comes back. Hell, it might even work when Tony Romo comes back. Keep him conservative. Honestly, quiet as kept. The first game of the season, the Cowboys weren't looking to be an explosive offense. They were dinking and dunking and playing it safe and saying, hey, if we don't create our own misfortune, we're going to be able to beat this team. And that was without Hardy and Renata McClain. So, you know, I know everybody's waiting for the return of should have been MVP of the 2014 season, Tony Romo. But there's a very likely possibility that with all of the changes, the Cowboys are looking to be a defense-minded team. Act one has to be this Sunday against the Giants. Because honestly, the Cowboys can't afford to lose it. 
They can't afford to lose this game. They just can't. I've spoken many times about the fact that I only need to see three wins on the ledger by the time Tony Romo comes back. But the more and more I look at the easy schedules of these bum teams of New York and Philadelphia, and they're not good. These are not good teams. Trust me. But their schedules are so easy. Their schedules are insanely easy. They don't have a Seattle on their schedule. They don't have a Green Bay on their schedule. They both do have to face New England, which we've already gotten out of the way. Carolina's on a schedule, but it's on the Cowboys' schedule too. So think about that difficulty. The Cowboys on their schedule face New England, Green Bay, Carolina, as well as two-time Super Bowl representative Seattle, even though they're down right now. It's still the Seahawks. So it's going to be very difficult for the Cowboys to do what they need to do. It would be much easier. It's not impossible without a victory, but it would be much easier for their prospects for the season if they were to go ahead and beat the living daylights out of the New York Giants and sweep them and win for the sixth time in a row. You got to throw all the stats out the window because the Cowboys had become so pathetic on offense with Brandon Whedon that they plummeted down all the rankings. For four weeks, the Cowboys were at least middle of the pack in all of their offensive rankings, not with the performance they put out against the New England Patriots in week five. They're now at the bottom. Look for the advanced stats notebook to come out uh, on Thursday. With all that said, we need to find out exactly who's going to be out there on the field when they take on these Giants. So without further ado, let's go ahead and turn it over to my man, the one and only Mike Fisher, here on Cowboys Crunch Time with KD. Let's do it. Even with this truncated Cowboys crunch time, there would be no show if we did not have our favorite segment, Hook, Line, and Sinker with the Fish. The one and only Mike Fisher, Cowboys insider, is joining us now. Fish, how you doing, sir? Well, that bye week was all stretched out, but all of a sudden, it's uh, it really is crunch time now. We're, we've got a condensed schedule for uh, for a lot of reasons, which we'll get to as we go on here. Yeah, it's uh, kind of crazy because it seemed like the bye week lasted longer than normal, and then all of a <laughs> yeah. sudden today things just kind of cranked up. And I guess maybe because we had so much news at the beginning of the bye week that created the sense of a lull uh, with, of course, the quarterback change, uh, the other changes on offense. But now the topic of the day is obviously for all of Cowboys Nation wondering what's going on with Des Bryant and his possible return. Give us the latest as far as you know it. Uh, the last time that anybody talked to him, 
uh, is a couple days back when he told me about what the optimal plan was. And that included being healthy enough to play against the Giants. So that was the plan. And as we sit here midweek getting ready for the Giants now, he certainly hasn't given up on that, but he did not practice on Wednesday. And what I'm being told is uh, that that this is a this is a uh, light switch, uh, not a light switch. That it's a process. In other words, it's not like Des wake up tomorrow morning and everybody goes, "Oh my gosh, he's 100 uh, percent." And and when we talk about 100 percent, Jerry's pretending he doesn't know this, but when we talk about 100 percent, we're talking about 100 percent healing of the bone in his foot. Right. And one thing that we should caution ourselves of here, because we're all so anxious and excited, like he is, to, to get back on the field, that surgery was five and a half weeks ago. So the upcoming Monday, the day after the Giants game, will actually be the six weeks that they were hoping it'd be healed. So it, it, it would really be good news, assuming he doesn't play against the Giants, and I don't believe he will, if on Monday he gets an MRI and they say, now, okay, now we're there. It's been six weeks. We were hoping it'd be healed then. Now it is. Full week of practice. Let's go get Seattle. All right. Is there any chance? Now, I tweeted about this earlier, and I was just kind of evolving, you know, just uh, putting down, typing out my, my train of thought. Is there any chance that the normally straight and narrow Jason Garrett is kind of playing with the minds of the Giants and saying he's not going to practice or letting it be known that he's not participating in practice, and then he comes out and he has like a Willis Reed moment on Sunday. Is there any chance of that going on? Well, yeah, and you've got two issues there. One is, is is Jason Garrett playing mind games, and the answer is no. I, I asked him in the press conference the other day if Dez is, is, has medical clearance, and Garrett says yes, and then everybody like grabbed their notepads. I mean, that was that was huge for like a right. second until he clarified and basically said he has medical clearance to do all the things he has medical clearance to do, <laughs> which <laughs> is not – so if he was 100%, that would have been offered for Garrett to say that. Um, and then on Wednesday, we've got the official NFL paperwork on how he is a did not participate. So there's no games there. And, and again, we're, as you know, uh, between 105.3 The Fan and Cowboys HQ – we're, we're not just having to go off the press conferences where we, you know, we get to, we get to sniff around a little deeper than that. Uh, I, I would say this is very much trending down for Des Bryant against the giants. Having said that, here's part B of the tale. Uh, do you have to practice to play? Well, not necessarily. Um, are there deep concerns about Des's conditioning? Not really. Does he understand the playbook thoroughly? So, uh, you know, you, you can't completely eliminate the idea of a Willis Reed moment, um, but it's not going to be a Shaq uh, in New Jersey moment. And I don't know if you remember this one, but I'll never forget it. This goes way back now. I think Shaq had a death in the family. Mm-hmm. And and it was a relative who lived in New Jersey. So, so Shaq wasn't going to play that day against the Nets. He must have been in Orlando or something. And okay. then, at the last moment... He hadn't, you know, he hadn't been with the team for two days. Not only did he come out and play, but like a spotlight grabbed him. It, it was all planned. I mean, it was all, it was, okay. it was all orchestrated. He almost, it's almost like he killed somebody in his family so there could be a funeral, so he, mm. so he could have a big Sunday morning 
TV moment on national uh, national exposure. The, the Cowboys aren't. There's no trickery here. The, the in fact, I think you saw this, KD, with the handling of the Matt Castle deal. They could have played trick 'em dick 'em there, right, but all they right. would have done would have been confuse themselves. Uh, they, they would then there would have been leaks and whispers and and questions about leadership and direction. Uh, and and I think, you know, the Steelers did the same thing with Ben Roethlisberger this week. I'm sure you noticed. They they declined to play that game instead, saying, "No, we need to give real snaps to the guys who are really going to play." So they gave it to the the kid Jones. Same thing mm-hmm. with the Cowboys today. That you know, I was out there watching the beginning of practice. I mean, Des wasn't even out there, so there's there's no games here. The only game is try to get him ready, if not for the Giants, then for the Seattle game. Okay, then on the flip side of that question, would you feel confident categorizing? I know you mentioned you know MRI. Uh, not necessarily scheduled for Monday, but planned for Monday. Uh, would you ca- would you feel confident categorizing this as a day to day situation now, or is there a legit possibility that the return could still be a, a few weeks away? Oh, I uh, he, I think he's so close here that that's an indicator that he'll get there against Seattle. Um, okay. The day to day thing is about that is about that process as opposed to that light switch flip. You, you wish it could be that way, but, you know, it's just like when we, you know, when you have a flu, you know, it, it doesn't just go away. It it fades away, and this will be that in reverse. By the way, the MRI, the Cowboys have not told me that there is an MRI, that there's going to be an MRI, or that the MRI is, but other okay. people, uh, other medical people with intimate knowledge of Dez's foot. Is that a is that a crafty way of trying to say it? Right. Uh, <laughs> I got that, you. Yeah. Suggests that it, the X-ray isn't enough, and that Des saying, "Oh, I feel great." That's not nearly enough. Uh, that Jerry's Jerry's suggesting that you know it's about pain threshold and and comfortability. That has that has nothing to do with it. This isn't about pain. This is about healing. And I'm told the MRI is what will show that best. Gotcha. Okay. Now, Des Bryant isn't the only cowboy. Uh, isn't the only one the Cowboys fans are anticipating returning from a week one injury. Give us the latest on what's going on with stud rookie defensive end Randy Gregory. Yeah, he's good to go. And he he practiced Wednesday, practiced Thursday. Uh, I watched him for a little bit today. Just, he looked, you know, that fresh legs thing. Mm -hmm. uh, He he already, you know, he was already born with fresh legs, but uh, he he was especially explosive today. And, and him and Greg Hardy, in a foot race to the quarterback would would be fun to watch. And the Cowboys think they might just have that on Sunday against Eli. They are working uh, with Randy Gregory and elsewhere on on the details of pass rush angles and and trickery to try to get Eli Manning not only hit, but also to get him moved out of his comfort zone. Now, he's a, he's a guy who likes to take one step up and go, and they want to try to take that away from him. They can get if they can get Eli moving laterally out of his comfort zone. Uh, they think they've got something special there. Greg Hardy, by the way, I was talking to him, and and there was a group going on, and he said, well, you know, you the way to go get Eli is go hit him in the mouth. And naturally, I put that on Twitter, and guess what happens? You know, it's Greg Hardy talking about hitting somebody, hitting people. Right, you know what like I mean? as if football uh, isn't a violent sport. I, I want to touch base on that Greg Hardy stuff. We'll circle we'll circle back around to that in a second. Uh, but one thing that I wanted to talk about, 
the Randy Gregory return from injury, I don't know if you remember, but last year when Demarcus Lawrence broke his foot, I made a special point of pointing out of how much that was going to basically hinder his rookie season because of the right. fact that it happened in training camp. He was going to be, be missing all of those learning opportunities, and then he was going to be so far behind the eight ball once he came back that it would be really hard for him to have a standout rookie year, even though he was scheduled to come back for the last eight games of the season. Lo and behold, he didn't do much in the regular season, but he did finally come out and shine during the playoffs. This is a completely different situation right here when it comes to what's going on with Gregory. He had all of the offseason work to learn the system and learn what they were trying to do with him. He even played, you know, the first part of the game. So now that he's going to have – now that he's missed these six weeks, it kind of turns into the whole thing of, well, now is he even going to hit a rookie wall? Could he just fly for the remainder of the season, seeing how there's only 11 weeks left in the season – and it's more so on the, on the same type of schedule as he, as he had in college, where it was, you know, 11, 12 weeks, and then they were done for the year. So it's very exciting to imagine what he can do alongside Greg Hardy for the rest of the season for the Cowboys. Well, I think you're completely onto something there, and then I will add what they ask him to do is, is a specialty. Uh, they, they, they will ask him to do the one thing that he does the most naturally anyway. You just, right. you know, he he's not going to be in there on first and ten. He's going to be in there on third and six, and uh, it also benefits him this week, like it did in week one. He's going to line up against Flowers, and they have tangled before. Right. Uh, I, I think I've got that right. Right. Uh, oh yeah. Flowers would be the tackle. Well, you know, they played against each other when Nebraska played Miami, and Randy Gregory made a living off him uh, that day, on his way to 17 sacks in his final year at Nebraska. So. Randy Gregory's a better player than the guy he'll line up against. And here's the thing. So who do you go help? Do you, you go help Flowers on that end? Uh, do you go I, – I, Tank Lawrence is going to have – he'll have a single man on the other side. Yep. Got to. Because inside, here's Tyrone Crawford, whose job to some degree here will be to occupy two guys where he lines up. Uh-oh, then there's Greg Hardy who will be inside in that same alignment. So the, a lot of people talk about this is, this is a castle week and this is a, a C-Mike week and this is a Dez week, and it might be some of those things. But most of all, this is a Greg Hardy, Randy Gregory, Rolanda McClain, Sean Lee week. This is a front seven week in New York. And I have a feeling it's going to be a front seven week every week until at least Tony Romo returns, even with the return of Dez. Uh, it is exciting time to imagine what this defense could be because uh, it's been so long since Cowboys fans have been able to enjoy a legitimate pass rush because, I mean, we all know the complaints even when DeMarcus Ware was around, you know, the complaints about the timing of his sacks and not having anybody opposite him except for the one year where Anthony Spencer finally showed up. The Cowboys fans haven't really had a defensive presence at least on paper, that they have right now in years. And it's, it's very exciting to think of what they could do. Uh, and we saw the possibilities of that a couple of weeks ago against New England. Uh, but unfortunately, they couldn't maintain that with the offense not helping them out whatsoever. Uh, but hopefully, we'll see some of that this week against New York. The offense can do its job and maintain enough that the defense can, uh, you know, go out there and put in some serious work. All right, switching gears a little bit uh, before we come back to Greg. Actually, you know what? Let's tackle Greg Hardy now because uh, the media obviously had access to the players today. 
and once again, Greg Hardy held court, and once again, he proceeded to give outstanding copy for those that were in attendance. Um, t- putting aside the Billionaire Boys Club that you were accused of being a member with, a member of with Greg Hardy a couple weeks ago, what are your general impressions of, of Hardy uh, in these sessions? Obviously, you've had a chance to talk with him prior to this, uh, you know, during the preseason and all, but even in the last couple of weeks since he's been available to the media, what are your impressions of, of Hardy and what he's bringing to the table as a person? As you know, I, I believe in political correctness. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, as much as we, you know, we play around on Twitter and stuff, but I'm a politically correct guy. I, uh, I, I, I'm not out to offend people. I'm not a shock jock, but uh, it never occurred to me that that would be wrong for me to write and to say that I find him fascinating. And I, I have from the start here, even when I called his Twitter account a cesspool and he blocked me uh, mm-hmm. with a, over the, in the spring, that was still, he's still fascinating. Now it was a fascinating cesspool, but it was still fascinating. <laughs> he, he said the other day, you know, he, he obviously, first of all, he's a contrarian. And and he clearly enjoys that. He's absolutely right. a bright person. That, that, that's indisputable. And there's a lot of people who don't know him, who see him doing what they would call and what you and I might call dumb things, who question whether or not he's a bright person. He's clearly that. Uh, and by the way, most contrarians are, especially if they yes. can get away with it. Somebody the yes. other day asked him about about confidence or something, and he said something to the effect of confidence is an illusion. It's 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 something that's created in your head. I don't worry about that. Uh, today he was asked about, hey, you're gonna, you you've got you know you, all your guys. It's going to be a special, and he said no, it's it's not special. It's eleven cowboys, eleven cowboys last week, eleven cowboys next week. There's nothing special about me. There's nothing, no special formula. There's no special mm-hmm. plan. Just eleven guys playing for each other, and I, I just think these are these are terrifically interesting, not incendiary. Uh, interesting answers and interesting ways to look at football. And for that reason, uh, again, this might get me killed. I don't know, but he's, he's tied with Des Bryant for being my, my most interesting guy to talk to. I, I, I now try to talk to those two guys every day because I, I think they have the most, most compelling things to say about mostly about Cowboys football, but sometimes about other stuff too. Uh, I, I don't know what his future is here. I, I don't, you know, I don't know what the money is. I, I, I haven't asked him that. Um, but in terms of being a compelling personality, uh, on top of being, obviously he's really good at his job. Um, mm-hmm. my, my impressions are all good. And by the way, uh, and, and I think Mark Lane, uh, did this a while back with Jason Witten, Jason Witten's history and what he stands for. If Jason Witten can live with that guy in the locker room, then, then that's all. That's the, all the judgment I need. That that frees me to do my job with Greg Hardy. If Jason Witten can do his job alongside Greg Hardy, and they're about three locker stalls away from each other. Mm. And obviously, uh, for you know our, our listeners that might not be aware of it, I, I don't know why they wouldn't be. But uh, Jason Witten is uh, very outspoken about domestic violence. He came up in a household of domestic violence. Uh, he's not a 
not separated completely, but basically estranged from his father based on that sort of situation of what transpired between him and his mother and uh, Witten's mother. Uh, so again, for him to not endorse is a wrong word, but as not endorse, right? Yeah. Exactly. Be be able to work with him and move forward in that working relationship that does speak volumes of the other aspects of Greg Hardy's character uh, that yeah. uh, that allow him to do his job and, and be a professional. And, KD, let me toss this out there, too. Uh, some of the listeners might be familiar with my, my conversation with Christine Brennan, uh, now of USA Today, longtime NFL writer, terrific talent, uh, a, a pioneer among uh, women sports writers. Uh, maybe the very, maybe the best woman sports writer of all time, and maybe one of the best sports writers of all time. And her reflections on my conversations with Greg Hardy are are where I get painted like it's Greg Hardy and myself, and we're hanging around smoking cigars at strip clubs. Uh, right. You know, I think I've, I, I don't think I've been to a strip club since you know there's a I went to a bachelor party like 30 years ago. It's just, it's not at all <laughs> me, and I tried to tell her that, and. She tried to tell me that Greg Hardy is a monster and deserves to be treated that way uh, in my interviews with him. And I'll, I'll, I'll just say this, I'll, I'll say this one more time, and I, I love having this on the record. When I said to him the other day, I looked him right in the eye, and I said, he, he, he gave me some compliment on, on something I'd written or something. And I said, I appreciate that. But I said, I, I don't appreciate the idea that people think that now I'm in cahoots with you in the – in the domestic violence club that I somehow support it because, because I'm trying to see your side of things. And he says to me, and again, as always, very insightful. He says, welcome to my world. Meaning he doesn't like being associated with it either. Right. Uh, that, that, that now that, that doesn't mean that he didn't, that, that he didn't put himself in the position. He clearly right, did. Right, no matter what he's guilty of, and you and I have argued about this before. No matter what he's guilty of or not guilty of, no matter whether you view him as, hey, they found him innocent, or you view it as that, that that's a kooky system, no matter whether you think he paid off the woman, uh, no matter whether you think the woman was on cocaine and then all bets are off, whatever somebody wants to think. His view is, uh, oh, really? You don't like being associated with domestic violence? Welcome to my world. And, and I, I, I take that for how he means it. And I mm-hmm. and I don't feel obliged. I don't know. You know. You know what I'm trying to say? No, I, I completely you know, We could write a saying. whole other story now on. Well, what do you mean, you asshole? You're you're, <laughs> you're in that world because you're in that world. But, and and but, there but are going to be people that there are going to be people that paint it that way, regardless. As soon as anything comes out of his mouth, uh, so you 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 kind of just have to roll with that uh, because again, right. he has, for better or worse, put himself in a situation to be associated with this. Uh, heinous act, the heinous Absolutely. crime, and the stigma that goes that goes along with it. We can definitely agree and, on that. And KD, when we say uh, that's unforgivable, and, and people say that, and I get that, uh, it, my my answer is agreed. Now what? I agree. Unforgivable. Now what do we do? You know, my my son stole money out of my wallet. Son, that's unforgivable. Okay, now what do I do? You right, keep yelling unforgivable, <laughs> or, 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 do, or do we do what do we do? You know, Dale Hansen and I had our go around when Greg Hardy was first signed here. Dale Hansen said, "You just can't, you just can't do what he did." I agree. Now what? Now, now it, it happened. Now what do we do? You can't cheat on your wife. It's unforgivable. 
Okay, but you did it. So now what do we do? If if it's just a matter of shaking our fists and screaming and wrapping ourselves, uh, wrapping the American flag around ourselves and saying, you know, no new taxes, we can always do that. Fine. I, I'm against taxes too. Now how do we fix the potholes? Right. We, to, we can't yeah. just yell, do something. We have to actually do something. Um, unfortunately, that's the direction that media has taken uh, over the last 10, 15 years. It is just more about a, showing a reaction, whether it's even logically consistent with how things are dealt with in the real world. But okay, I'll give you a now, great example that has nothing to do. Yeah, can I give you an example that has nothing to do with what we're talking about? Sure, go ahead. Okay, did you see, did you see uh, the milking of the story of the Texas high school coach who paid the referee? I did see that. Okay, there's no. Can I say the f word on this? I better not. There's <laughs> no frigging way that a coach, that a high school football coach, walked out to the middle of the field <laughs> where, where there's where, there, where there's a hundred where there's where there's ten thousand cameras possibly trained on him, and slipped the guy a tip for giving the the team a call. There's no way it's it's virtually impossible that a high school football coach would be stupid enough to give the bribe to the guy. What we can, you wouldn't go meet in the parking lot, right? <laughs> okay, and of course I'm watching this, and and there's websites going nuts with it because they're getting hits from saying Texas coach bribes ref, and we've got it on film. He did. There's no way he and I'm looking. It's going. You know what? I. It, it could be this. If it was money, and I can't see that it's money exchanging hands, and neither can anybody else. If it's money, then he's paying him because the home team has to pay the referees, as anybody mm -hmm. who knows anything about high school football knows. The home team, mm -hmm. that, you know, they pay their salary. So that's a weird way to pay a salary with a wadded up something. And it turned out to be a funny poker chip that was that was sitting on the ground, and he just handed them the poker chip and said, "Hey, good luck." And they had they were friends, and they had a laugh over it. But that doesn't matter anymore because that high school coach might always now rem be remembered as the the, the bribe coach. The, the bribe guy, yep. <laughs> be because I wanted my website to get, you know, 10,000 more hits. It, it, and and you're right. That, that's what we not, – not that Greg Hardy's the same as the bribe coach who didn't actually bribe somebody. Let, let, don't get this twisted. Just that it's it, – you and I and and – and a handful of us in Dallas fight this fight this frustratingly uphill battle of just trying to write what actually happened, try, trying to, as I always say, I, I gather, analyze, and disseminate information. That's all I do, and I couldn't sleep at night if I tried to do anything more. Well, then tell us what you have gathered, analyzed about the Tony Romo situation, because we are now – Thank goodness for all Cowboys Nation, less than two weeks away from Mr. Romo being able to practice, less than a month away from him being able to return and play in a game. So talk to me about what happened or what you've heard about where he is in his rehab process. Yeah, and he can play, of course, at Miami on the 22nd, which means he can practice right. two weeks before that, which would put us at, yep. what, the, the, the no, he, can come, he can practice on the 4th. No, he can actually practice on the 4th. The 4th is exactly six weeks from when they put him on IR, because uh, he okay. was on IR on September 22nd. Okay. Uh, so I'm walking through uh, the facility today, and, and here he comes. And 
uh, this is Wednesday at uh, 11.30. And he's going to the weight room to get on the elliptical. And he's got the elliptical positioned at the window in the weight room so he can watch practice while he's on the elliptical. He's got his playbook with him. And I could, I mean, it, I know, unless it was a joke, I mean, it said Cowboy Playbook right on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I, I don't know if it was an iPad or what it was. Uh, and no slang. So, you know, my understanding is it's not like he's out there actually throwing or anything yet. Uh, I, I bet she's tossed around a little bit, but no serious NFL throwing. Uh, right. And I'm not, I'm not reporting that, you know, that, that like Dez, you know, Dez, Dez got rid of the boot, he told me. I'm not saying that Romo's gotten rid of the sling, but, uh, but I'm saying that, you know, you, you could have ridden the elliptical with the sling, and he opted not to, maybe so he could turn the um, technological pages in the Cowboy playbook while on the elliptical while watching Cowboy practice. I, I, thought, it was a, I thought it was a cute cute nugget that might end up being way more important than just that. There it is. Now, the offense that Tony Romo normally commands is now obviously in the hands of Matt Castle. That was one of the bye week moves. Uh, we heard there was some progress for some other offensive weapons on their return. Bryce Butler, the wide receiver that they traded for uh, from Oakland, and James Hanna, the blocking tight end uh, that is very paramount to the running game. Um, even though he doesn't go out on, on many routes, he, he is very paramount to the blocking in the running game. Uh, do we have an update on where they stand? Are they are they good to go against uh, the Giants? Yeah, on Wednesday I did watch a lot of Butler, and, and he looks fine. So I don't, okay. I don't see a problem there. I did watch Hannah, and I can't report that he looks all that fine. He looked hmm. he looked bulky. He looked, uh, he looked limited, and I think was listed that way. So uh, I, I bet she's not too limited to block. <laughs> but, okay. but he did not. He, you know, he, did, he did not look like the guy who I used to watch run at Flower Mound High School with his four four forty. Uh, he, he was not flying down the field today trying to catch passes. So uh, he uh, he will certainly play against the Giants and and hopefully fulfill the role that you just mentioned. But maybe not much more than that. Yeah, it would be, it would be pretty awesome if they were. You know, obviously in lieu of having Des back. Uh, having Jason Witten, who was dealing with his own injury problems. Remember, uh, you know, for our listeners, he sprained both ankles and sprained his knee uh, early in the season. He's been fighting through that. So it would be very nice if Hannah could come in and block and allow Witten to, you know, go down the seam and do what he does so often against the Giants and, and just beat up on whatever safety they have trying to match up against him. I'm sure he remembers the words of uh, rookie safety Landon Collins and how uh, he basically – thought that he was going to uh, rule the Cowboys as he roamed the secondary. So it'll be very interesting to see uh, the role that the Cowboys have for their tight ends as this offense begins to uh, return to health. Uh, Before I let you go, Fish, I need to, of course, talk about the running back situation because it's been such a strange transition uh, all summer long. It was Team Randall versus Team McFadden, as a lot of people had, had fun picking a side there. Then they made a trade for Christian Michaels who is an athletic marvel, uh, supposedly had issues with the blocking and all of that kind of stuff, and they've worked his way. Uh, they, they've now said they're ready to take the reins off of him, And in the words of running back coach Gary Brown. And it seems like he might be in line to actually start or at least take the majority of the carries against New York. What have you heard? What's your latest on that situation? 
Yeah, we are on day nine of Cowboys HQ reporting that he's getting more first-team carries in practice than Joe Randall. Uh, and and that's a fact. But that doesn't automatically mean that Joe Randall doesn't start in New York. Remember the very first game against the Giants, and there was there was this hue and cry and this controversy, and so much so that that the flip card before the game had a different starting lineup on it than the program. One of them right. had McFadden. One of them had Joe Randall. Uh, and but all along, Joe Randall Joe Randall was the lead back. Whether or not he started the actual game wasn't really material. So I don't know that C-Mike now is suddenly the lead back. I, I just know that his practice snaps reflect that. And uh, Joe Randall talked about giving up carries and, and changing roles if need be. And man, oh, man, he, he actually handled it with a great deal of maturity. And he right. did something that I've rarely heard a player ever do. You know, nobody obviously ever says, well, I'm, I'm going to be a cancer if I'm benched. Nobody says that. Right. But usually guys don't even use the word cancer. You know, locker room cancer. Usually nobody even says that. But Randall right. was frank enough to say, I will not be a cancer in this room. Uh, I, I respect and, and, and uh, feel honored to even be here. And part of what he says helped him see this light is he went back to Wichita over the bye week and went and watched his little nephew play running back on a Pop Warner football team, just like Joe himself did. Might even been the same team uh, when he was in fifth grade. And Joe said, so that, that reminded me, you know, my little nephew, John Randall, dreams of being me, just like I used to when I was in fifth grade, dream of being where I am now. So I'm not going to blow that. I'm going to do my job, not be a cancer. I, I, don't, I don't know how that I – don't, I, don't, I don't know if that means you beat the Giants but I thought it was a really good sign for Joe Randall who hasn't always been quite that smooth in his thinking about his job. Right. Does, does Darren McFadden talk to the press? Cause we rarely hear his take on any of these types of situations dealing with the running back position. Yeah. He's very available and very cooperative. Um, okay. I think after being around for eight years, he understands the value of talking without saying anything. Ah, gotcha. But I also think, yeah, but I also think a lot of us, and then therefore, if he's going to talk without saying anything, I don't bother going over there in a group, certainly. Right, but right, but right. there's this, too. He, and, and I believe that, that you were on were, – were, were you not on the non-McFadden team from the very start? Oh, yeah. I, 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 I thought that he had absolutely no fit in the type of offense that the Cowboys run. Um, okay. And – uh, along with issues with, you know, his actual skill set. But, yeah, I, I've been okay. anti-McFadden. <laughs> well, and by the way, and here's what's so fascinating about this game. There is no smarter Cowboy football man, and there are few smarter football men than Brian Broaddus, who thought the exact opposite of you. Right. And one of you was going to be wrong. At least six weeks into the season, one of you is going to be wrong. And right now it's it's Brian, uh, which just shows you, once again, this is not a science if if it was a science, then then every team would go sixteen and zero somehow, because it'd just be that easy. <laughs> uh, the the reason that I think the smart media people don't chase down McFadden, in addition to the fact that he'll be careful with what he says, is I I just think he's a I think he's a non-factor. That Patriots game, and then Jerry, by the way, came out the next morning on one hundred five three Clan and said, "Oh, he he was terrific. Oh, he was terrific for fantasy football because he had all those catches." But right. he was he was not an effective contributor to a winning offense. 
and and I think that's why he's fallen through the cracks of publicity here because uh, who's going to come? The best uh, the best receiving running back on this team is Joe Randall. He's got the best hands of everybody on this team as a running back. So uh, if C Mike gets most of the first team carries, uh, and, and surely um, Fadden hasn't earned the number two running back job ahead of Joe Randall, but then Joe Randall's also the third down back. Well, that would seem to put the squeeze on Darren McFadden. That'll be very interesting to interesting to see because the Cowboys are missing so much with the Lance Dunbar injury. And again, I can't even mask my frustration of the, of him being injured on a kickoff return when he's not a good kickoff guy and they have had other options. Um, and how many and, and how many yards deep was that? Oh man, it was just he was nine yards deep. He stutter stepped. Was eight yards just, deep. Yeah, it, it was it was just a catastrophe. It, it really was. Um, I'm standing the Cowboys in the tunnel, are, are, by the way. Hey, one more uh-huh. thing on that. I'm standing in the tunnel after that. That was that that happened earlier in the game. At the end of the game, I'm standing in the tunnel. I'm standing with a, with an NFL official, and and we're watching this thing go down. And he says, "We need to get rid of kickoffs." And I said, and unfortunately, this guy isn't quite powerful enough. It wasn't it wasn't Roger Goodell, right? Right. <laughs> you you could you could the NFL would not lose anything if it got rid of kickoffs. Just get rid of them. Think about it. Start the start. You start the ball at the twenty. Well, I mean, they 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 pretty much done everything that they can to neuter the play anyway by moving up yep. the kickoffs. And these guys have such powerful legs. Nine out of ten kicks are, are touchbacks anyway. And now players are basically uh, enticed to try to do the impossible and bring it back, bring it out from nine yards deep because if that's your only job on the team, then you sometimes just try to make something happen out of nowhere. And unfortunately, Lance Dunbar fell to that. Do we have any word? Yep. Uh, because I, I, I remember we they were trying out guys uh, on kickoffs, um, or at least uh, the guy's name, uh, Lamite James. That's what it was. They tried out Lamite James. That obviously didn't work. Is Lucky Whitehead going to be the returner this weekend, or is it possible that the guy that they uh, got the um, the back from Ohio State, Rod Smith? Rod I think? Smith. Yeah, is, is that yeah, going to be on uh, kickoffs? The big guy. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, chase that down here in the next coming hours because I don't know the answer to that. It, it, all I need is a kickoff return. Really now, don't I just need somebody who, who fields the ball? Yeah, that's it. Somebody who can catch. Uh, I do think Lucky Whitehead's got a gift for it. But Rod Smith did it in college at Ohio State and did it well. Also plays other special teams. Uh, so you know, now I'm, so I'm going to activate four running backs so Rod Smith can be one of them. Uh, probably not. I don't think. So my guess would be Lucky Whitehead, and my instructions to Lucky Whitehead would be, it's got to be, if it's five yards deep, take a knee. Four yeah. yards deep, fine. Take it out and, and, and make sure we get our ass back to the 20. But otherwise, don't bother. And then I, I also, I, I want Lucky Whitehead to be developed as a punt returner because because that can help you, especially if you've got a guy that's got a knack for making the first guy miss and then going north and south. And, right. and Cole Beasley hasn't shown much of that. I don't think. And no. speaking of things that in the game that have changed, that East West does just doesn't work anymore. It no, just doesn't it work too quick. And yeah, yeah, you you yep. got to get the north and south. You might be able to do one cut, but north and south is what you have to get immediately. Big time, big time. 
You know where? Uh, not to get off on another tangent, but we don't uh, we don't talk near enough, Katie. If you go watch, sometimes a high school team, sometimes a high school team's punt team will basically be its starting offense. Right. Uh, and and I think that's where some of these some of these concepts, uh, these bad concepts, are born because who's on your starting offense? Well, in high school, well, it's five fat guys for one thing. Well, right. no wonder high school punt returners return punts. They're returning it against five fat guys. But in the NFL, Lucky Whitehead's trying to return punts against ten guys who are just like him, only bigger. Right. Cole Beasley, guys just as athletic and fast as him, only bigger. And so uh, I'm starting to lean towards conservatism when it comes to their turn game. Remember this, hey, Des Bryant should return punt. You're out of your mind. Exactly. You think I'm going to put a a, a truly game-changing, season-changing commodity in that position anymore? Never again. Never going to do it. I wouldn't. I don't know if I put Deion Sanders back there anymore. And that's exactly why I was so frustrated that after Des Bryant went down and Lance Dunbar is the only guy on your offense that has that right. game-changing athletic ability for them to right. risk him with kickoffs when nine times out of ten he's taking a knee. It just yep. – uh, it's so frustrating. You're on to something. But it is that, what that it is. Been, it, it, that could have been uh, Darren McFadden. Returning oh, yeah, easily. He back up doing it anyway. Darren McFadden returning kicks and with all his experience knowing that I'm not going to return it. If you had that do yep. I've never asked that of Garrett or Bisaccia, but if you had to do over again, you might do that. There it is. Hindsight is 2020. But with that, we are going to go ahead and say goodbye to our best segment, our only segment today, but our best segment of the show, Hook, <laughs> Line, and Sinker with the Fish.